We're going to look at the parables of the kingdom that Jesus is going to share with his disciples, that he's going to share with the people that are around him, that he's going to share in order to further teach the truths that he began with the parable of the sower. And I I pray this morning that we will have our eyes open to what's here, that we'll have our ears attentive to what Jesus Christ wants to say to us in our lives. The Spirit of God will work and move. And I hope this message will be something that will change the way that you look at the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is one of the most magnificent stories ever shared in all the Bible. The fact that we were sinners, destined for hell and deserving of God's eternal punishment, and God in His love reached down and not only saved us, but saved us by giving His only begotten Son, that Jesus Christ would go to Calvary, and Scripture would tell us that He laid on Him the sins of us all. He who knew no sin, God made to be sin. And He paid the price of our sin on Calvary. And He bled, and He died, and He cried out magnificently, It is finished! Three words that changed your eternal destiny. And then He rose again the third day, and He's gone off to prepare a place for you. And He's coming again. What a wonderful message of good news as we think about the fact that not only did God do this, but salvation is entirely a work of God. So wait a minute, I had to believe. Watch what Jesus Christ is going to tell us about that today. You do have to believe. But it's God's work, God reaching down to sinners. Sinners with no hope until Jesus Christ offers us through the Spirit of God, the gospel to save our lives. And so that's what this is all about. And Jesus has started sharing this with, with the crowd and with his disciples when he gives us the parable of the sower. When the sower goes out and he starts sowing the seed, that's that magnificent story that we just talked about. The magnificent work of Jesus Christ on Calvary and this, the, the whole embodiment of the gospel as it goes out. And as we do this, we find out again, there were different kinds of soils. And remember the good soil. Because when we look at these new parables, it's going to key in very much on what does it mean to be the good soil? How does this seed of the gospel grow and become what it needs to be in salvation in our lives? How does this all work? And and who's responsible for it? And what happens with it? And Jesus said this is so important. In verse 9, he looks at people and he says, just as we sang, he who has ears, let him Let him hear. So this morning, we need to pray, God, let us us listen to what you have to say. Put aside all the cares of the week. Put aside all the frustrations of the things you know you have to deal with this next week. And spend just a few minutes saying, God, by your spirit, speak to me through these parables. The way you did to your followers when they were first given. The way you did for your disciples. Help these parables about the kingdom of God to change our lives. We ought to be eagerly and obediently looking at this. When he says, he who has ears, let him hear. That's why we sang that song, Lord, open my ears. Open my eyes. Help me to see. Help me to listen. Help me to obey. I trust you're going to treasure the word of God, submit to it, and then it'll bear fruit. And when Jesus begins talking about the fruit that it's going to bear at the end of the parable of the sower, he immediately goes to the idea that as it bears fruit in your life, if you are the good soil upon which the seed has fallen and you've come to Christ, there are some things that it should do in your life. 
And he's going to cover these. So keep your ears and hearts open for these things because he's going to talk through these next several parables about the fact that the gospel should be openly seen in our lives. And that's an interesting contrast to what he just told the disciples about the parables, isn't it? He looked at the parables and said, I teach these people who have rejected my truth, who have rejected who I am in parables so that seeing they will not see and hearing they will not hear, but it's not always going to be this way for all. Your lives should shine so brightly that the gospel is clear to anyone who sees your life. We're going to look at that. We're going to look about the fact that God is the one, as the Spirit goes out, with the Word who produces the harvest. If souls are going to be saved, God has been at work. And lastly, we're going to look at the idea of what is the future of this kingdom of God. Are Christians in the majority in the United States of America? Are Christians in the majority anywhere in the world? So what is God doing with the growth of this kingdom? And what is its goal as it goes through, the gospel goes to all nations? And how is he going to use that? Jesus is going to talk about all these things. So let's begin at verses 21 through 23 and look at the spread of the gospel. Beginning in verse 21. It says, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now again, let's put ourselves back into the world of Jesus Christ. He's not talking about a lamp that you go around and you turn the switch on and if the bulb's good, it lights up. Okay, he's talking about those, I should have brought it with me, I've got one in my office. The little clay type lamps with the wicks floating in the oil and they would light them and they would light up a room and the best way to get light from them was to put them up high on a stand so that they could light an entire room. And as Jesus begins this parable about those lamps and the wicks and the light and the fire that's producing the light, he says to them, you know, you don't take it and put it under a basket. Now, doesn't that seem obvious? And yet, why is Jesus Christ doing that? Why this parable right on the heels of the parable of the sower? What did he tell the disciples about the parable of the sower? They looked at him and said, Lord, this is hard to understand. Why are you teaching them in parables? And he said, because these people, these Pharisees and scribes and those who've come just to get their own needs met and not wanting the truth, they've rejected who I am. And so seeing they will not see, and hearing they will not hear. But when you think of the seed that's going out of the sower, it won't always be that way, and it won't be that way for long, because I want the gospel to go forward. And he looks at them and says, this gospel needs to go forward in your lives. He explains it further on the uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. If you look over at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus is talking about the same picture, the same type of parable, and he says to the disciples there, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Does that sound familiar? He says there, But on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus Christ is now narrowing in, not on just the whole overall story of how the gospel works as it goes out, but he's narrowing in now on the sower a little bit. And whose responsibility is it to sow? 
Jesus Christ was the master sower of the gospel. Is there, is there any doubt about that? As he shared the truth, you know, again, when you read through the gospels, don't miss it when they say nobody ever taught like he did. No one ever taught with authority like he did. But Jesus Christ is about to leave to his disciples after his ministry finishes, after he returns to heaven, the ministry of doing what? And make sure we get our ministry responsibilities right. Here is our job description. And growing up, the job description that I was given often from the pulpit was kind of twisted a little bit. And I want to make sure from this passage we get our job description right. What does God expect you to do? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you are right with God based on what Christ did for you at Calvary as you've placed your faith and trust in Him, what is your responsibility? What's your job description? Is it to sit and soak in the truth at church? Be careful because that is part of the Down in the, the fine print, he's going to get to that today. It's important. But is that where the job description stops? Now, our job is going to be, as we look at this, to sow the seed and spread the seed. And Jesus Christ looks and says, I want you to do it so that it's obvious in your lives. To put it under a basket or a blanket is to take that gospel of Jesus Christ and hide it from people around you. If you can work and live with the people around you and they don't know you're a Christian, Jesus Christ is looking and saying, something's dead wrong. Because you're intended to be a light. And we know what lights are supposed to do. You light them up and you put them up. You don't put them under a basket. You don't stick them under the bed. But you put them where that light can be seen. And Christ is looking at these disciples and saying, you're my lights. And I'm leaving you here so that the gospel will be sown. So that it will be seen. And now think about it from the perspective of the disciples. Do you want that responsibility? Well, it's exciting to be a disciple. It is exciting to be a disciple of Christ. But think about the weight of that responsibility when they're looking at the parable of the sower. Because Jesus has just not only talked about sowing the seed, but what else has he talked about? Is it going to work when you sow the seed, or isn't it? And so the question becomes, whose job is it to make sure that that seed is taking root? And I grew up in the era, and it's not necessarily... The idea was probably come from a good heart. But I I grew up in an era where we used to have soul-winning conferences all the time. And if you're learning how to share the gospel and spread the seed in a conference, that's a good thing. That's why I kind of hesitate. I want you to make think that's a bad thing. But invariably, as I was growing up as a kid, you would get fiery evangelists come up and talk about the gospel and then say, you need to get out there and win souls. And as a young person, I was really frustrated Because I'd share the gospel and somebody would laugh at me. I'd try to share the gospel and somebody wasn't even concerned and didn't have any interest in it. And I got to the point where I started thinking, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Now, think about the disciples. They've just been told the seed's going out and there's going to be seed on the hard paths and Satan's going to steal it and it's not going to be effective when you share it. In those hearts. There's going to be seed that goes out. And somebody has a big emotional response. And as soon as the heat of being a Christian is turned up. And they have persecution. They're going to wilt away and disappear. That's, that's, that's discouraging. 
There's going to be others that the, the seed's going to go out and it's going to start growing up and suddenly all the cares of the world, the riches of the world, the entertainment of the world, being popular in the world, it's all going to grow up like weeds and it's going to choke it out and there's going to be no effect. But then you're going to sow the seed and it's going to be 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's going to take root. Now, which seeds do you want to plant? It's not up to you. God never said, I'm sending you to put seed in good soil. What did he say he sent you out to do? You spread that seed. And then he's going to talk, in the, in the coming parables, he's going to talk about what happens next. But our job is to spread seed. And when you think about it as, I want a soul to Christ, you don't win any souls to Christ. We're going to find out as we go through these parables, God does that work. Don't try to do God's work. You're not a seed salesman. You're not trying to close the deal. You're going out there and you're sowing the seed. And God's going to close the deal. He said, I'm not sure if that's right. You know, I, I had guys, I, I thought I was supposed to have a, a little New Testament that I could not put notches in every time I want a soul for Christ. You want to put a notch in your New Testament, notch it in there every time you get to talk about Christ with somebody. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we'll talk about that further as we go through there. But the question is, some of us aren't even doing that. Are we spreading the seed or are we hiding the seed? What happens if you hide seeds in the house? You ever get flowers in the flower garden? Not from the seeds hidden in the house. You ever get tomato plants? You ever get, if you can't grow zucchini, you're in trouble. You ever get zucchini? Well, not if the seeds are hidden in the house. They need to be spread. And as Christians, our job, Jesus looks at these folks and says, you are the lamp, you are the light, you need to let your light shine so that people will see me. The seed will get spread. And so this first idea of spreading the seed is like, what are we doing? Understand that it's not always going to be like when I tell these parables. When you spread the seed, I want the seed, the glory of the gospel to be revealed for people that they might come to Christ. And so he begins with this first parable about the the lamp and getting out there and being a part of doing that. And he finishes it in verse 23 with a very familiar phrase again. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Didn't Jesus already say that? Why is he repeating himself? Because when he says that, he's talked about something that is so important, and he's afraid the disciples aren't going to get it. Did they never not get things? Did they ever not pick up on things? How many times did Jesus Christ tell the disciples, I am going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die, and either they didn't get it or they didn't want to get it? Remember when Peter finally got it? What was Peter's response? And this is just before it happens. He's already been told this several times, and suddenly the light goes on in Peter's mind, and Peter looks at the Savior and says, oh no, that's not going to happen to you. It's like, Peter, if you only knew what you just, uh, what you just said. If that doesn't happen to the Savior, you spend eternity in hell. Jesus said, I'm going to do this, and it's coming, and listen to what I tell you. And so as he talks about being lights in the world, and being out there so the gospel can be seen in our lives, he says, if you have an ear, you need to hear. Who's he addressing then? What has he just told the disciples? Those who love me, those who are my disciples, those who are my followers, will hear. So if you're sitting here this morning... And you say, I know Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of his. His message to you is, you need to be a light. 
You need to be out there showing the gospel and showing the impact of the gospel. That's a whole other message, but showing what the gospel does in your life, how it's changed you. So he goes through this first parable, and then he's going to kind of add like a mini parable after it. The, the tags along with it. As you look at these parables, so often we, we read parables, especially going through the book of Luke and the book of Matthew, where there's a lot more parables. You read the parables and you think they're just single stories sitting there by themselves and we try to figure them out. That's not what Mark's doing here. Mark begins, he's got one chapter of parables. When we get through Mark chapter 4, the parables are over in the book of Mark. And as he shares these parables, it starts with the sower. And then these next three to four parables that he's going to talk about, depending on how you break them up, all relate to that parable and what it means to us. And so we need to put these together thinking, okay, there's the parable of the sower, and this is how the seed works in hearts. Now, parable number two, here's who needs to go out and sow. You, me. We need to be out there sowing the seed. We need to be letting our light shine so people can see the gospel. And then he says this in verses 24 and 25. Basically, pay attention. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear. I look at this. I used to be in education. I think this is a good educator. Twice he said, listen up, listen to what I have. Now he's saying, pay attention. You know what I learned when I went through seminary? Cemetery. When I went through seminary, it can, it can be both if you're not careful. When I went through seminary as a young guy, uh, and I thought, well, I, I, I got this. You know, I'm intelligent enough to get all this stuff. And so the professor would get up, and I learned really quickly there were professors that just like to wax eloquent. And obviously, he's the professor, so you don't interrupt him, but you can kind of zone out for a while until he says, now pay attention. I thought, this is going to be on the test, so I'm writing it down. Now, as I matured in my time being with my professors, I really realized I want to learn all I can, whether it's going to be on the test or not. But that temptation's always there, and Jesus knows that his followers and disciples don't always get the importance of what he's telling them. So he's told them twice, if you have ears, you need to hear what I need to say. And now he comes right out and says, pay attention to what you hear. Not only hear it, but I want you to absorb it. I want it to become a part of your life. I want it to change you. You If I was the Savior, I'd use that every Sunday morning and say, okay, we're about to listen to the word of God, so pay attention. Because if it doesn't change your life, you're wasting your time in here. It needs to penetrate your heart and life and let the Spirit of God convict your life and show you what you need to do to be more like what we need to be. And so he gets to this point, and he says, pay attention to what you hear. And then he gives, basically, this is is a takeoff on a Jewish parable. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I read that, and I read, pay attention, and then I read, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. And you know what my next response was? Huh? What did he just say? I was trying to pay attention. I was listening. What does it mean? What is Jesus doing with this, going from the parable of the sower to the parable of the light that needs to go out so the gospel is seen into us, to pay attention because the measure you use, it'll be used to measure out to you. And this is really an old Jewish proverb. It's also translated at times, in the pot in which you cook for others, you'll be cooked. So, oh, somebody wrote that down. I thought, oh, that, that explains it. And I thought, does it? What is he trying to say? What is Jesus bringing to his disciples? He's saying, I want you to shed God's light. I want you to reveal his truth and the parable that he just shared. And now he's saying, you can't give out what you haven't already taken in. 
with the measure that you measure. And he's talking about what are you going to do with the truth? Number one, are you going to live your, let your light shine with it? But are you going to treasure the truth? Are you engaged when the truth is preached? Do you go to this book saying, God, give me something I could take with me and meditate on and let be a part of my life and the Spirit of God can use to change me to be more like Jesus Christ? He's looking and he's saying, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Well, what does he mean by it will be measured to you? He's looking at with the enthusiasm that you have, with the diligence that you have as you're looking into the truth and as you're trying to take this truth like the sower, like the lamp, and apply it to your life, with the diligence you put in, it'll be given out to you. And that's where he says, and still more will be added to you. The problem with this is some people not understanding it have turned this into a great financial way to make money. They say, if you give out, God will give back to you. And what he's talking about is the truth. He's not talking about finances here. He's saying, if you will listen, if you will pay attention, if you will have ears to hear and eyes to see, then not only will I give you things that you can use spiritually in your life, and it talks about the fact with these parables, he constantly explained them. Did you catch that at the end of the passage? So with all these parables, he explained them to his disciples because they had to have the heart to say, this is important, I want to absorb it. I want only, not only to know it, I want to live it. And so he looks at them and says, if you've got that kind of attention and you're putting that into it, then I will give you more. So that that brightness of your light gets even brighter as you understand more about how Jesus Christ works and what he's doing. And then he says, and this always bothered my spirit until I figured out what he's talking about. Verse 25, for the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That goes against our spirit of entitlement, does it not? How, how does our government even do it? They take your taxes and what do they do? From the one who has, we take it away to give to the one who has not. And that's how our society works. And I'm looking at this and saying, Jesus, this is backwards. It says, for the one who has, more will be given. And in my thinking when I first read that, they don't need it. They already have. Why give them? And then the one who doesn't have, they're the ones who need it. It says even what they have will be taken away. Well, he's not talking about finances. He's talking about the truth. And you remember what he just demonstrated for the disciples? He had been preaching throughout Galilee, all over Galilee. Thousands were coming out to hear him preach and hoping to be healed. And at the end of the day, they rejected who he was. And Jesus Christ says, now I'm going to preach to them in parables because seeing, they will no longer see. They had their opportunity. Hearing, they will no longer hear. And when a sovereign God says that, it's not for us to judge. And we look at this and see this in this point, and that's exactly what he's saying to the disciples. Be those people who have eyes to see and ears to hear and keep pulling it in, and I'll give you more so that you can shine and give it out. But for those who reject, even the little bit they had will be taken away. You remember the path? You remember the seed that was sown on the path, the gospel seed? And it said Satan came and did what? He takes it away. And God allows it because he said they're not believing in the truth. And so he comes to them and he says, I want you to pay attention. I want you to gain more. I want you to be more so that you can do what you need to do so that you can be the light that you need to be. And then he's going to explain one of the most important things about evangelism we may ever learn. God produces the harvest. Salvation is a work of God. And we kind of know that, but we keep wanting to insert ourselves into that. You know, and so, so Paul looks and says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. 
and we still try to insert ourselves in there just a little bit. No, I, I, I'm the one who was smart enough to believe. Gift of God's grace that you were able to believe. And, and he's going to talk about that here and how it works. Look at verse 26. It says, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Is he talking about something new or is he tying this together with what he's already told us with the parable of the sower and everything that's going on now? He's, he's tying it together and going further with it. Did you want to understand what I said? That's why it's so important you understand the parable of the sower. If you get that, you can build on it with this. So the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now again, if we understand the parable of the sower and we come to say the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground, who's scattering the seed? You and me. We ought to be scattering the seed, giving out the gospel every chance we can. You know, not beating people over the head with it, but it's such a part of our lives we can't help talk about it. You, how many of you, some of you, this is really going to be a stretch, I'm sorry, but you know, how many of you remember back when you were courting and not married? What consumed your thoughts? If it wasn't the person that's your spouse now, you're in trouble, okay? But I, I remember those days. I get in trouble every once in a while because I used to write all these, tried to write romantic letters. I don't think I have much romance, but I tried. And now I get in trouble. You never write me anymore. And I thought, well, we got married. That's not the good way to do that. Okay. But when you love somebody, you're consumed with thoughts about them. And you can't help talk about them. And we had membership class this morning. And my wife graciously, because if I had made them, you'd have several new member possibilities that we're not feeling well right now. But she made some scones, and she made some blueberry scones, and she had some other kind of scones in there. And I brought them in, and somebody asked me, and I said, yeah, my wife made those. And I said, God put us together for a good reason. She's the one who's hospitable. She's the one who can cook. She's the one who tastes good after she cooks. And I'm talking about my wife. And nobody had to tell me, talk about your wife today. Because we're married. And I care about my wife. And I spend my life with my wife. And if you're spending your life with Jesus Christ and you care about what he has to say and you're in tune with what he's doing in your heart and life, you don't have to be told it's evangelism time for the next hour. Go out and evangelize. You talk about him when you're with folks. And if you're not talking about him, you better find out, am I really where I belong? Am I, am I the light that I need to be? But as we do that, we need to realize that God said, as we scatter the seed on the ground, what's our next step? Got to close the deal, right? I scatter the seed and then I close the deal. If I can only get somebody to sit with me and pray, boom, got him. I, I won that soul and write it down. Is that how Jesus Christ describes it? Who closes the deal? Look at what it says here. He sleeps. Who sleeps? The guy who scattered the seed. He's sleeping. It says he sleeps and he rises night and day. So he scattered the seed as a farmer. And day after day, he goes to sleep. He gets up. He, he works on the farm or whatever. But he's not paying any attention to these seeds that went into the good ground. And what happens? We go on further. It says, and the seed sprouts and grows. And the farmer says, look what I did. Look at those seeds. It says what? He doesn't even know why. Now, I understand germination and all that stuff, but can you explain why it works and sometimes it doesn't? I don't garden. 
I've had too many experiences where I plant the seed, I water the seed, I sleep day and night, and it never comes up. And I don't know why, and I just decided it's not important why. I can go to the grocery store and buy that tomato a lot easier than I can grow it. But we look at this and say, you know, as you scatter the seed, the results don't, you don't even know why God and how God's doing what he's doing in somebody else's heart. But God's at work if it falls on good ground. And it says here, the earth produces by itself first the blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear. And this thing keeps growing and growing and you're coming up with wheat that's going to be ready to harvest. And how much credit is the farmer able to take for that? You want to know how much they know they're not? I, I spent time hunting out in Nebraska. And if there's no rain when there's supposed to be rain, those farmers are panicked because they can't bring rain. If there's too much rain when there's not, those farmers are panicked. Because if God doesn't take care of that seed and it doesn't grow and it doesn't come to harvest, it's not going to. They don't know what to do with it next. And there's certain things they can help with. But as, as Jesus looks at this, he says, that's the way that seed works. And look at verse 29. He's basically told the disciples up to now, I want you to sow, but you don't get to take credit for the results. God's doing that in hearts. The Spirit of God is convicting in hearts. Look at John chapter 16 when you get home. The Spirit of God convicts and convinces and brings judgment to folks' hearts and brings them to the Lord. And he says, that's what's happening here, but look at verse 29. But when the grain is ripe, okay, when you're seeing the results, when you're seeing the fruit, Look who gets to be a part. It wants, he puts in the sickle. Who puts in the sickle? This guy's been sleeping day and night and doesn't know why it came up, but he's sure glad it's there. And he gets to benefit from that. And folks come to Christ. And are there benefits to the church when folks come to Christ? There's nothing like new life in Christ. There's nothing like the opportunity to disciple and teach and train and work with folks that want to learn more about Jesus Christ and have that enthusiasm for Christ. And the idea at the end is, yeah, I'm going to let you be involved with the joys of the harvest, but never forget who's responsible for it. It's not you. It's not me. We scatter the seed, and it's the Spirit of God who makes a difference in people's lives. It's the Spirit of God who brings them to where we need to be. And we don't even fully understand sometimes how he's doing that or what he's doing in their lives. And it's important to remember that. Because one commentator put it this way, clearly it does not depend on the evangelist, but only on God, who imparts life through the power of the gospel. Human ingenuity, emotional manipulation, man-centered techniques... Market-driven strategies cannot create a new life in the heart of a sinner. Regeneration is only by the Spirit of God. So as you scatter that seed, you know the only other thing you can do until the harvest comes in? You need to pray that the Spirit of God will take that seed and that it will fall on the right ground and that God will allow you to see fruit. Because he's the one who does all those things. And again, it's not an emotional manipulation. Don't try to scare somebody into the kingdom of God. And we've been taught that, haven't we? Instead of just sharing the gospel, what's one of our favorite questions when we give people the gospel? Do you know that you're going to heaven for sure? And you want, it's a good question. You want them to know. But if you're asking them the question so you can tell them afterwards, because if not, you're going to hell, so pray this prayer. That's not the way it works. Well, it does work, but that's not why we do it. I was listening to a preacher this morning. I shouldn't do that on the way in. I don't even know where he was from. Caught him on the radio. He's talking about the gospel. He's saying a lot of good things, and I'm following along. And then he's like, and if you can get somebody that just wants their ticket to heaven to pray a prayer, that's a great thing. And I'm, if somebody was by me in the road, they probably think 
them nuts because I'm yelling at my radio, no, it's not! They need to understand the gospel of Christ. They need to understand what it means to come to Christ. They need to understand what he did. It's not just pray a prayer for your ticket to heaven. And he literally said that. If, you can, if they can punch their ticket to heaven, they're fine. And it's like, he's not giving out tickets to be punched. He's giving out hearts and souls to be regenerated and changed. He's giving out so much more. And that's what is being talked about here is God's doing this work. And what a comfort. It ought to comfort you. And it was there to comfort the disciples that God gives the harvest. You ever discouraged because somebody hasn't come to Christ recently? You're sharing the gospel with people. You're out there giving out the best testimony that you can give. And you may go through spouts and times when God doesn't bring anyone to himself because of it. Should you be discouraged? I used to get discouraged because I thought I haven't won a soul. Nobody's punched their ticket. And when you look at this, it's like it's comforting to know that there's times when no matter how faithful you are, it's going to scatter on the path and Satan's going to steal it. It's going to be a shallow commitment and it's not going to be real and persecution's going to take it away. It's going to look good, but the world's going to get in there and you're going to find out it wasn't real. But God's in charge of all that. It's God's work. I proclaim the truth. I shine as a light. The rest is up to God, and God will do what he needs to do. And that's why I said, but when the grain is ripe, there will be results. You may not get the results that you want every time. You know, I mean, how many of us want to throw our seed on the path? But God said, that's not up to you. You throw the seed, and you let me work. And when there's a harvest, get in there and benefit from that harvest, but it's my harvest. And so that's what he's trying to teach us. And and it'll help in our evangelism if we understand that God's doing that. And then he comes to verses 30 30 through 34 as he concludes this passage. And he said, with what shall we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? And here's the parable he's going to use, verse 31. It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds in the air can make nests in its shade. God, why are you comparing the kingdom of God and its growth with a mustard seed? Think about it for a moment. The disciples were following a Messiah who was born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth. And what's his reputation in the community? Here is the illegitimate son of Joseph and Mary. Mustard seed. Now, the power of God is much more than a mustard seed. But from their perspective. And then they looked around at each other. And Jesus has just told them, you know that sower that goes out? That's going to be your responsibility. And Peter's looking around and said, those three, they weren't even very good fishermen, as I recall. I was better than they were, and they're going to do this? Matthew was collecting taxes. Nobody likes Matthew. He's going to be scattering seed. Lord, what? And God, little mustard seeds. Because I guarantee you there's times going to come when you're going to think, I can't share Christ. What if I share him wrong? Get in the book, find out who he is, and share what he did for you. you know, I don't, well, I've got to get it exactly right. Now, that's God's job. You're supposed to scatter the seed. He's going to give you opportunities. Share what you know about Jesus Christ. And if you feel like it's not enough, get back in the book and learn some more. And just like that measure, he'll give and he gives more. He's willing to do that, but we need to be faithful. We need to go out because that little mustard seed, it says, as we go on in verse 32, yet when it's grown, 
It grows up and becomes larger than the garden plants and puts out large branches, those little tiny seeds. And they're not actually the tiniest seeds in the world, but the tiniest seeds that were used for agriculture in that place in Israel. And so they thought about the tiniest little seeds. They grew up and those mustard seeds would grow into these big bushes or trees with large branches over 15 feet tall. From that little tiny seed. And what Jesus is telling these folks, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters what God does with that. And God's going to use that sharing of the gospel. God's going to grow his kingdom to the point that, and again, we need to understand how this is used in scripture. But it says at the end of that, it'll put out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. Now, why birds of the air in making nests? Well, the Old Testament uses this picture. It often uses the picture of a kingdom being like a large tree. And when it says the birds will make their nest, it's the fact that there's benefit for all those that come in contact. Isn't that a perfect picture of the gospel? If the gospel changes your life, there's benefits. And that little mustard seed, those 12 men, those 120 followers, grew and mushroomed to the point that they turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here today, It goes back to the mustard seeds of testimony that were given two centuries ago. God's still doing it. God's still building it. How does that happen? It happens because of an almighty God. God, how can you make that work? It's none of your business. You don't have to understand how it works. You just keep sowing. And I'll keep doing my business. And I'll grow my church. And it it, it applies to us. How big is this church? Oh, we need to grow bigger. God's going to grow when God's ready to grow. God said, Jesus Christ said, I'll build my church. What does he want us to do? Faithfully sow. Are you being light? Are you faithfully sowing? Are you trusting God to bring the increase? Verse 33 finishes it this way, 33 and 34. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without parables, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. God wants you to understand the truth. God wants you to live the truth as lives before your neighbors, before the people you come in contact with. God wants you this week to spread the seed regardless of what you think the harvest may be and leave the harvest to him. Are you willing to trust God for that? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for these parables and the way that if we take our time to go through them and study them and consider them, that you've put the answers there for us. Lord, we thank you for that simple verse where you said, For those who weren't believing, you spoke to them in parables. But for your disciples, for those who were following you, for those who loved you, you explained things. Lord, we thank you for those explanations. We thank you that we serve a great God. Lord, we thank you for the job that you've given us. It's not too big for us. We can shine as lights if we're close to the Savior, if we're close to the truth, if we're letting the Spirit of God work in our lives. We can sow seed. And Lord, what a comfort it is to know if we sow that seed consistently, passionately, every opportunity that we get, that the harvest isn't up to us, it's up to you. So God, may we trust you in the harvest, but may we be faithful in what the job that is that you've given us to do. And God, we pray that you'll help us to see a wonderful harvest. There was nothing in the land of Israel as joyful as the time of harvest. And I pray that you might help us to see harvest here as well. Souls won to Jesus Christ, not because of what we did, but because of what you did with truth that was given out in the hearts of folks. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.